to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from DraftKings Studios, with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in to week two of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Morganoni, and we are venturing into another week. I'm with my co-host, Matthew Betts. Betts, how's the sentiment around the house right now? Oh, gosh, Kyle. It is it is not great. But the best part about DFS is you turn the page. Yeah, just to be put it out there for listeners, I had a hor- horrific week one. I mean, it was so bad from a DFS perspective that I'm excited to talk about it, uh, to tilt about it for a few minutes, You know, just get it off my chest. Maybe we'll cry a little bit. And then it's on to week two. And that's the best part of this process is that when we go into the season, we know there are going to be weeks where you, know, you don't have a perfect week or you lose. And, and that's what happens. But you turn the page and you move on. So Today is the official start of week two. Crying's okay. My family, the Borgononis, our men, the men in our family cry and uh, just let it out. So if we need to do that on the show, if you're listening and you're just, you know, you just, you're dry crying right now, just let out a tear. It'll be fine. But <laughs> What's a dry you can cry? take, it's just like, it won't come out. But it's just, ooh, <laughs> just nothing. Oh, yeah. We've all no been there. Tears. <laughs> but you can take solace in the fact that your Eagles beat my sorry excuse for an NFL team in week one Falcons. And for those of you that were following along, we had a bet, Brian Ketron, who also does video for the footballers. He's an Eagles fan. And, you know, we could put money on it, but Betts and I, you know, we do DFS. We do so many other things. We thought about putting something even more. And so the loser of the bet had to do an extreme like household chore for the next week, every single day at the expense of their wife. So my wife found out the Falcons were getting destroyed in like the third quarter. She's like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> Biggest Eagles fan of the week. I'm not sure if it was if it was us or your wife, but um, have you started on the list yet? Where are you at? So last night I had to take everything out of the fridge, wipe every crevice, everything down possible in the fridge and the freezer. So like if I was going to sell that thing, it looks really, really good. So that was like last night before the Monday Night Football game. That's what I did to prep uh, for Monday Night Football was to clean out the fridge. But <laughs> we have a full list, but she she was pretty happy about it. And uh, we'll probably have more fun bets like that. I think that's, for me, that's more memorable than just like here's, you know, $20 or $50 or whatever. It's like, okay, these are, these are memorable. So I'm winning points with my wife, I think. So maybe, like I mentioned, it's a long con for me, but... Let's uh let's review our week and how we did in cash. Straight cash, homie. So beginning of this Tuesday podcast, we're going to review our personal cash lineups and then kind of the field, the way that the field kind of handled it, uh, some weekly takeaways. And I'm just going to say this, this past week was brought to you by Kyle Pitts because he was the clear chalk at 4,400. He was played on a ton in some of my cash games. It was like 40, 42%. So he was way up there. And I actually think it still wasn't a bad play considering uh, the only other guys that really like killed on the slate were Kelsey or Hawkinson. So I think it wasn't too bad. But I'll let you start off, bets. What were your main takeaways in cash? Yeah, this is it was a tricky week for cash. And I know that you're going to talk about this in a second. But there was a very, very clear build this week on DraftKings, especially where it was like, okay, we have all these super cheap 3k wide receivers, you know, 
Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Marv Jones, uh, Marquez Callaway. It's like, okay, jam those dudes in and then just pay up for these stud running backs. And it, it, like, it was so hard to be different, at least enough to create a little leverage in cash. And we don't really talk about that much because we're just trying to put a high floor lineup out there. But at the same time, like there was no edge in cash this week. Absolutely none. And so if you made one mistake at all, you pretty much were done in those formats, which I feel like I made a regret, obviously hindsight 2020, regretful mistake. I swapped on to Josh Allen as my quarterback, thinking like, listen, they just made Zach Moss inactive. They are going to let him throw the football on every single play. He was cheaper than Kyler, cheaper than Mahomes. I felt like he had a really good price on DK, and I was like, I'm going to go with him and then kind of go from there. And that build basically forced me into Calvin Ridley, which... I have no regrets about playing Calvin Ridley. He's a stud and he's going to be good most weeks. But after the first drive, it was like, oh, baby, here we go. He is destroying the Eagles. This is going to be great. And then he did nothing the rest of the game. And it was really a bummer for me. So that that mistake there for sure, kind of swapping off of Hurts onto Josh Allen really hurt. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that I really want to point home for listeners is that I did play Marcos Callaway in cash because he was such a high projection and so so cheap. But I knew my lineup was dead when Calvin Ridley had a bad game. And so I feel like this is a huge point for listeners. If you're in that spot and you know you're not going to cash, it makes zero sense to just sit there and be like, well, better luck next week. Like you might as well swap off of a really chalky player in the late late, late slate if you can. And there was Jalen Waddle sitting there at the, I think it was $100 more uh, price tag than Callaway. He came in at like 2% in cash. So I knew I was going to lose. I swapped onto him. It almost worked. I missed the cash line by like four right. points. Um, so that's a take home for listeners that if you do find yourself in the same boat and you have a cash player uh, who's chalk in your lineup in the late slate, don't be afraid to, to switch if you need to. I think there's some really important points like week one. We had the most amount of group think that we're going to get that carries over from the summer that carries over into week one. Here's the play. So you you brought it up. It's there was a pretty consensus build, which was get two or three of the high price running backs and then get some of those cheap wide receivers, Elijah Moore. Marquez Calloway, um, Rondale Moore, like those were the people, uh, Marvin Jones, some of those hit and then some of them didn't. But the main thing is that in cash, because we don't really care that much about roster percentages, if you have a ton of chalk, you end up moving with the herd. So there's a lot of lineups that I found that had Kamara and CMC in it. And they ended up in that 100 to 115 point range, but they couldn't hit the cash line because there were so many people there. So for me, I wanted to differentiate myself just a little bit from that. So I chose DJ Moore, which was not somebody that usually you'd play in cash. And he didn't do great, but he got 16 points. And then I think stacking Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith was really helpful. And then moving off the Falcons defense, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I I was scared as crap playing the Texans defense in cash. And uh, they did fine. They, they did totally fine. If you want like a full write-up on Bets and I's thoughts and, and how we did, I'm going to post my cash lineup. So I did well this first week, but I totally understand that it changes week to week. There's so much variation. Uh, if you come out 60% for the year, that's pretty great. So, um, and I'll just say for GPP, we can quickly hit this and then move into the week two. You and I knocked it out of the park with Russ stacks, but we were probably a little bit underweight on those KC stacks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was the highest total on the slate. Um, but the tricky part was like the pricing for Mahomes and Hill and uh, Kelsey felt kind of prohibitive. But in reality, with the way the slate broke, you actually could have gotten there and just taken some pretty middling to not that great scores at other spots, especially in small field. And that, you know, KC stack would have hit for you for for 
a pretty big profit. So um, yeah, I didn't have enough of that of that construction for sure. And I, I just want to say for other people too, like I got a lot of questions in DMs this week, like, hey, bets, here's my lineup. What went wrong? Or, hey, I, I double stacked and brought it back and it didn't work. <laughs> what went wrong? And this slate completely flipped on its side. Like you look at the Million Maker lineup this week, it makes zero sense. There is no correlation. A lot of the tournaments I played in, I felt really strong about how I played. And I think Kyle can say the same. Stacking our quarterback, even double stacking at times, bringing it back with someone on the other on the other side, and it just it just didn't hit the way it normally does, and that's going to happen. Football's weird, so um, to answer a lot of those questions, you probably didn't do anything wrong. You probably actually played very smartly and played well, and I think most weeks that will work out well for you. Versus this week, week one, it was just a, a weird slate for sure. I felt good about us looking at the games last week and saying, okay, Seattle. Indianapolis that game is going under the radar we needed to jump on that so there were some good plays like Russ and Lockett stacks um, I threw in a bunch of Zach Pascal and GPPs and he hit two touchdowns so that was kind of lucky I faded DeAndre Hopkins and that's a scary thing but let's just guys there are players each week Devonte Adams if you would have faded Devonte Adams then you would have been completely fine so every week there are definitely games and players that don't hit that don't return value and Christian McCaffrey is just not real to be the number one running back to not have a touchdown. We'll talk about him in just a second. So it's fun to review these things. Go online, uh, fantasyfootballers.com, and you can see our cash lineup review. We also have some articles out today on Tuesday, first look pricing and the Vegas report. If you want to be part of that, uh, if you want to go on iTunes, follow and review us. But right now, this is the time of the year where we are getting screenshots from people that are saying, Hey, you know, I won this much. I had someone that said, hey, this is my first time taking it seriously. My first weekend, I put in about 20 bucks, came out with $1,000. Pretty awesome. That's uh, awesome. Leave a five-star review on iTunes and then tell us like how this podcast is done. That actually is what helps us out the most. So I would encourage you to do that. And then if you want to get in on the DFS pass, if you actually want our picks from DraftKings, uh, if you want you know, to understand, hey, this is why we kind of were like, hey, Maybe Marquez Callaway isn't the best play, even if he's the most popular. Uh, you could find all that stuff in the DFS pass. And if you use promo code DFSPOD, then you can save some cash on it. So we think uh, we think it's a pretty good deal. But let's talk about this week's main slate. State of the main slate. Each week for the main slate, we will be referring to the DraftKings Sportsbook lines. It's where Betts and I play. You can go to sportsbook.draftkings.com. And I also want to check in. This is like a quick check-in of some bets that you and I have made, some wagers. So uh, let's do one that's going well after this past week and one that's uh, you're a little scared of based on DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start with the one that I'm I'm worried about, and it's because week one could have gone worse for this bet. I have a season-long prop on Gronk to go under his receiving yards. Just older player, lots of competition for targets. You could see the path where it doesn't go as well. What does he do? Come out in week one and goes for almost 100 yards, and I think the prop's like 595 or something, so he's almost a sixth of the way there one game through the year, so that is terrifying. However, one thing that is trending upwards, I mean, what happened to the Titans? What was that? I just want to come out for a second and say that is the reason I am so sad about my week one DFS. All in on Tannehill stacks, AJ Brown and, and Julio. I mean, they just fell on their face and Kyler pushed them to do what they were supposed to do. And they just looked atrocious. So we have a, a bet on their under. Um, they didn't run play action nearly as, as much as they did 
last year or the year before with Arthur Smith. So I wonder if that's just a one one week kind of fluke or if that's what they really are now. And if they are that, uh, the efficiency numbers there for Tannehill and company could really plummet. So we have an under on the Titans, which after one week looks pretty solid. Yeah, it's under nine and a half. We took that uh, really in, what was that, March or April? Like Really early, uh, It was yeah. before the... Before the Julio trade, but yeah, they only threw two play action passes, and part of that might have been game script, and they just got behind so fast. Like Julio didn't get his first catch until the end of the first half. Like it was, it was rough. So on the flip side of that, what's looking good for me is I placed a wager on Kyler for MVP at plus two thousand. So I guess five touchdowns is a good start to the season. And then what's not looking so good uh, is the Falcons over seven because. Other than the Packers, would you say the Falcons looked the worst out of any team? They looked absolutely atrocious. So bad. Yeah. Yeah. Packers, Falcons, like it was it was really bad. But for the state of the main slate, let's talk about the games for this next week um, and which ones are over 50 points. So I'll let you highlight those games that are over 50 bets. Yeah, this slate, it's set, setting up to be, I think, really fun to talk about and kind of break down, especially as you look towards uh, Friday's show. But yeah, we have a ton of games. There are five games with a total over 50, and there's a couple that are sitting at like 49, 48 and a half, 47. So there's a lot of high scoring environments here that I think might help us be able to identify maybe some games that we're not as excited about that you could kind of fade and get leverage on the field or games that are undervalued because there's going to be so many people to just immediately open you know, the Vegas report or DraftKings Sportsbook and see, oh, look at these games with a 50-point total. We have to go there. And I think there's some second-tier games that might be really valuable this week. Yeah, so at the top, we have Dallas at the Chargers. Chargers are three-point favorites, and that has a 55-point total. You've heard before, I'm a sucker for the Chargers. So when you see them in the highest total game of the week, that's going to be one we'll talk about. Uh, Tennessee at Seattle has a 54 total. Uh, Atlanta at Tampa Bay has a 52 total. <laughs> Tampa Bay has 32.5 t- uh, implied total. So that one's going to be one that's interesting because the Falcons came out so flat and everybody saw the Buccaneers on Thursday night. So that'll be an interesting one. Buccaneers are 12 and a half point home favorites. And then the other two games over 50 are Minnesota at Arizona, 51, and then San Francisco at your Eagles. Eagles are three and a half point home dogs. That game is a 50 total. So uh, those are all games over 50. And we'll talk about which ones we like, which one we like from a stacking perspective and fading. But the ones Betts was referring to that's right under that 50 mark. Las Vegas at Pittsburgh is 49. Buffalo at Miami is 48 and a half. And then the Rams at the Colts is 47. So there's some interesting games. And from a strategy perspective, how does this slate differ from last week? Like in terms of like how we approach it, because we have so many games over 50, like how do we have to think differently? Yeah, last week it felt like there was a very clear, like you play KC, Cleveland, you play Arizona and Tennessee because those are the highest totals and the game script looks great for both both sides. And this week, you know, there's just gonna be more options because of how many high total games there are that in game stacks for tournaments, you can be willing to... um like I said at the at the top of the segment, like be able to kind of identify games that you feel like maybe aren't really going to get there and, and the field will play them or vice versa. Like just take a stance on some games that you really, really love and go from there. But it's a situation where I think we could see roster percentages get a little bit more spread out. Whereas in week one, they were just so condensed. So the edges were, were pretty tough. But this week, I, I'm excited about it from a GPP perspective. If you look at those games over 50 and Bets highlights those in the Vegas report, 
I mean, there are seven quarterbacks that you could legitimately say could be the quarterback one, like among those teams. Like you could just keep going down the line and say like Dak, Herbert, Tannehill, Russ, uh, Tom Brady. I mean, I'm not saying Matt Ryan could be, but you know, he's a yardage monster. Uh, Atlanta actually played Tampa Bay pretty close. If you go back last year, like they were one score games. Um, they were pretty close. And then, you know, cousins and, and Kyler, like there's just, it's set up really well for quarterbacks and stacking. And we love a lot of the options of the wide receivers. So I think in GPPs, this is the week where you're stacking your options and then you must correlate from these others. So you can't just say I'm stacking the chargers and the Cowboys. No, you need to think, okay, well, I want a piece of Minnesota and Arizona. So what if instead I do Justin Jefferson and Chase Edmonds or Justin Jefferson and Christian Kirk uh, to have some correlation there? So those are super important to understand that you're not just picking a game and moving forward. You're you're correlating through the rest of your lineup. Um, so it's, it's super important. But let's talk about the most popular games to stack. In your opinion, what game do you think will be most popular? And I think we were right last week that... Uh, that Arizona and Tennessee game was the most popular. So which one do you think is going to be up there? Yeah, there's a bunch that I could definitely see fitting this uh, question for sure. But the one that I went with was the Minnesota and Arizona stack. And it's because I think just recency bias is a real thing. We just saw Kyler come out and absolutely smash the Titans. And Joe Burrow just first came back off the ACL we were a little worried about he looked great and it was because the Vikings uh kind of let him do that so yeah there's a not a lot of resistance to Kyler stacks at all in this game script and then of course it's so easy to bring a, a guy back on their side Dalvin's a stud Justin Jefferson's a stud Thielen had two touchdowns last week he still got it and when we think about why people were playing Arizona and Tennessee, it's because the secondaries are awful. And I don't think the Cardinals just all of a sudden got really good in the secondary. I think Tennessee just fell on their face. So there's really a lot going for both sides of the ball that I could see people playing this game a ton in week two. And with that game, it's like very clear who the players are, like the best players there. Like on, right. on Arizona side, it's like clearly Kyler and Hopkins. Like you can stack those two together. And if you wanted to run it back with Cook, like that's just, makes a ton of sense. But then you look at the other wide receivers and you see it's pretty condensed. Uh, KJ Osborne did have nine targets last week for Minnesota as they were running like a ton more 11 personnel, but it's pretty clear. It's Jefferson. It's Thielen. Those are the players on Minnesota side in the passing game. So yeah, that game's going to be condensed. The question is how you get different there. And we'll, we'll talk about that later this week, but I put Dallas in the chargers because Dallas is one of those teams that people want to play. Like, the narrative last year is in those DAC games in the first, you know, four or five weeks, it was like those were barn burners every single time. And the Chargers are set up because Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, and then even Mike Williams are in the mix of you can easily stack. So pick your Dallas wide receivers. Uh, maybe Zeke is back on, on the map again. Um, he was out there running a ton of routes. I think he ran 44 routes this past week. So, uh, Maybe the narrative is that he's done and he comes in a little bit lower in that game, but the total's so high that I think Zeke is is in the mix for that game. So lots of different stacking options this week, and it's just how you get different. Like with Seattle's side, it's pretty easy to say lock it in Metcalf, but if you would have played Metcalf last week, you would have been a little bit let down in GPPs. Uh, Everett looked like he was going to get there, and then he didn't. So it's just about getting different in some of these games. What game on the slate do you think is the sneakiest? 
Yeah, I listed Tennessee and Seattle, but I, I don't know that that really fits the bill. It's got a huge total, and I the only reason I put it is because I think people may be a little scared off by Tennessee here this week, but I do think people will play it for sure. So maybe it doesn't fit the bill. I just think it's a game that you could see an easy scenario where you know we look back on week two and we're like, oh, in week one they actually weren't that bad. Now now they're actually good again. You know, like I could see that happening. So I think people will play it, but I think another one that fits the bill here that I actually kind of like quite a bit is the the Raiders at the Steelers. That one's got a 49-point total. Pittsburgh's favored by six. I mean, we talked about it last year all the time. Like, the Raiders are just a team that hit the over. They hit the over 80% of their games last year, which I don't think that's really sustainable long-term, but that's the most in the NFL last year, and we just saw it last night. Derek Carr lit up the Ravens' secondary. Uh, I mean, the Steelers are good, but I, I think they're a little overrated in their secondary. So, yeah, I can see points in this one for sure. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to play it, especially because I think Pittsburgh looked a little off in week one as well. Yeah, Derek Carr. I, I actually turned it off at halftime, by the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Are you serious? I did. Dude, I really get did. on NFL Game Pass. You have to watch the entire thing. It was bananas. I, I mean, I, I got to watch highlights this morning, but with kids and everything, uh, I had to get up super early. But uh, what's crazy is that with the Raiders, they've been good. They've They've been good for fantasy, and yet there are also games where they just put up stinkers. Like last year against Atlanta, they lost like 43-6. to six. So they're all over the map, but I think the Steelers are set up. I love Najee Harris this week. We'll talk about his salary and why DraftKings and FanDuel um, decided to just forget about Najee Harris. I'll say Buffalo at Miami because both of those teams sputtered. Even though Miami won, it was like, okay, well, yeah, they won by one point. It was kind of an ugly game. I think people will look at Buffalo and say, okay, well, there's some holes in, in in their team. What if that game actually shoots out? What if Tua has Will Fuller in the mix, whom he's getting back, and it's just set up where each team is running three or four wide receivers and they're just going for it. So I think that one could be interesting and fly under the radar. Uh, the total's 48 and a half, so it's getting close and it's in that range that we like. So any thoughts on that game? No, I like it, especially after a down week from Josh Allen and the Bills passing attack. I think it's a great spot to go back to. All right, what game do you want to be underweight or maybe even potentially fade this week? Yeah, there's a, a game between the Rams and the Colts. It's not a huge total. I mean, it's 47, so it could get some roster percentage going its way, but I don't know, man. Carson Wentz, I know he's coming off the foot surgery, but he just did not look... Like the Carson Wentz of old, he looked like the Carson Wentz of of last year in some spots. He was fine, but his his pass catchers and talent outside of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, I mean, Zach Pascal's fine. They, they just don't move the needle for you enough, I think. So that's not a game where I'm like excited about the pass catchers on Indy. I think he could get overwhelmed by Aaron Donald in that defense with the Rams. And then I think people are looking at Sunday Night Football and saw the Rams just so efficient in that game. They didn't even run that many plays because they didn't have to. So it doesn't look like a game that I really want to attack from a high-scoring back-and-forth matchup. Um, I may play a couple pieces just as one-offs from that game, but yeah, I'm not really looking at it right now, at least in GPPs. I kind of like Stafford and Cup in cash. I think that they're solid options, but yeah, that's not a game I want to stack. Uh, I can't really see it going back-and-forth. I'll just say San Francisco at Philadelphia, I could totally see that game hitting the under um, of 50. And I don't know, it's just there. It's risky in terms of game script of how that's totally going to go if it's going to be back and forth. So I'm right now, that's my stance to be a little bit underweight. 
All right, let's go to this last category before we finish with some salary standouts. What team do you think is your most confident hits their over of their team implied total? Yeah, I went with a team that there's not a lot of analysis behind this. Uh, they're playing the, the Texans, and it's the Browns, who just looked like a top three NFL team last week. They should have won that game against uh, KC. They looked great for three quarters. But yeah, against the Texans, I think there's going to be literally zero resistance to them uh, having their way. So I think they can go into the 30-plus points on their side of the ball, which you know they're going to be great cash game options for sure. I think the Steelers at home against the Raiders are going to go over their 27.5 point team implied total. Uh, I just think they're set up really well, and the Raiders should have lost that game. They should have lost it about three or four times. All right, who are you confident hits the under, meaning you're not going to stack this team? Yeah, I'm not sure the Colts can score three touchdowns as Vegas thinks they will. They have a 22-point implied total. I just talked about my concerns with Carson Wentz as well as the lack of talent at the pass catcher position. So, yeah, I'm not really excited about Indy this week. I think they can go under 22 points. I'm going to say the Texans week one was great in the sense of I did pick them in our spreads. Uh, I wasn't confident in the Jaguars. Maybe it's just I hate Urban Meyer and we should be scared of him. But the Texans at 17 point. What would you set the over under? How many weeks before Urban's gone? I, I, do you remember on the podcast? I said two years, like a, like a couple weeks yeah. ago. I was like, I'll give that guy two years. It's definitely under that now. Um, <laughs> it's looking like two months at this point, dude. It's not good. <laughs> that's wild that someone that would come in and people were excited about Urban Meyer, like really genuinely excited about him in Jacksonville. And that team, like, what were they doing? Like, not even thinking about running the ball, not even thinking about, I mean, anyway. I have thoughts on the Jaguars. We can share it at a later time, but I'll just say the Texans hit their under and uh, I don't want any part of the Texans this week. The flukiest thing ever is to say that Mark Ingram, David Johnson and Philip Lindsay all scored a touchdown in the same game. That will never happen again. That is way too fluky and only Urban Meyer uh, could be the one to figure that out. So who are our salary standouts for week two? Salary standouts. So we're going to quickly go through some players that stand out to us at the beginning of the week. Let me just give you a word of caution. This changes over time. Okay. And for those of you that maybe are just starting out in DFS, you're starting to take it seriously. The week changes. Like there's so many things that change because of injuries, because of things that pop up. So Elijah Moore became super popular last week, $3,000 wide receiver because Jamison Crowder uh, went on the COVID list. There's things like that that will pop up and it changes who's a value, who's not. And this week we have a couple of different names, including Elijah Mitchell, who I wrote up in the articles like, okay, everyone's going to be talking about this 49ers running back who's 5K on DraftKings. Do I play him? What is your stance right now before we go position by position? Because he's he's the name this week. What do you think? I don't, I mean, I'm not going to play him, I don't think, right now at least, it's Tuesday, um, in tournaments, or I'll be underweight relative to the field if he comes in as the chalk play, because Kyle Shanahan, dude, like, last year, you remember that Jeff Wilson game out of left field where he ran for three touchdowns? Like, it would not shock me one bit if Elijah Mitchell gets, like, 10 carries and all of a sudden Trey Sermon goes for 25 touches this week, would have zero um, surprise about that, or, like, Brandon Ayuk's back in the lineup, and they're just throwing all over Philly. So I don't really know how to attack that situation. Right now, I'm leaning underweight on Elijah Mitchell. 
there's a couple of players in the 6K range that I like. And so if if you want to go there as like your you know second or third running back up from Mitchell, I think that's fine. But wait till later in the week when we get our roster percentage report. I mean, it's Tuesday, so we don't really have those numbers in. It's just so much more we have to factor in. But 5K is pretty cheap. 4K is the stone man. If he was 4K, then be all over it right now. We'd say lock him in in cash. But when he got that price bump, I think think he'll come in a little bit lower. Um, but Elijah Mitchell will be the name this week, but you're right. Kyle Shanahan, super, super unpredictable, but all right, let's start at the quarterback. Give me a couple of salary standouts. It's scary to say this name again, but yeah, Ryan Tannehill is cheap. He went down $300 and kind of the way I like to approach, like my first glance of, of pricing is like, what games do we like? And then from there, like, did the players go up in salary or down in salary? And was it enough? And We've seen Ryan Tannehill have upside before. He's just 6,200 in that high total game. So he's gone down in price. He's really interesting in tournaments. Um, but then as far as like safety, I mean, Tom Brady at less than $7,000 against the Falcons early on in the week feels like a really strong cash play. That's a misprice. I That's way too low on DraftKings where he can also get the 300-yard bonus. Like that just feels way off. Notice on this slate though, there's no Lamar and no Mahomes because they play Sunday night. And no Aaron Rodgers, but we don't even know if he really wants to play football anymore by the way that he played this past week. So yeah, I love Tom Brady. I think he's an early cash game consideration. Russ is only 7,500 on DraftKings. I think he should be near 8K after his performance. And then I like Matthew Stafford at 6,400, kind of that middle tier safety. And then I'll point out on FanDuel, I'll give a couple of FanDuel caveats here. Kyler Murray, 8,700 on FanDuel is a value compared to the field where everybody's kind of bunched together on FanDuel for uh, quarterback pricing. All right, what about a running back? Yeah, running back, it doesn't make any sense to me why Zeke Elliott is $6,200 on DraftKings. I did not see that. is obscene (laughs) for a player who after one week, everyone's ready to throw away. Um, But this game has the highest total on the slate. Zeke out snapped Tony Pollard by a wide margin. He was still the dude. And at 6,200, like you don't even really need him to be that good for you to pay off the salary. So I like him a lot early on in the week for cash. And then for me, Alvin Kamara still at 8,800. Seems very, very underpriced still relative to where he should be against Carolina. Last week, they didn't even need him to really do anything in the fourth quarter because they got up to such a big lead. But he was on his way to a huge day. Again, the offense will run through Kamara this year, especially without Michael Thomas in the lineup. So when I was mentioning earlier those 6K running backs, I mentioned El- you mentioned Elliott. Uh, Najee Harris is only 6,300 on DraftKings. He's only 6,100 on FanDuel. I don't understand that at all. Uh, he was on the field for all of the running back snaps. So right now, Najee Harris is probably my strongest play, like I, I think, on the slate. like I-, I feel most confident right now on a Tuesday about Najee Harris and his workload. CMC should be over 10,000 on DraftKings, but he's not. So if you want to play him in cash and just say, I'm going to set it and forget it, totally fine with that. In GPPs, I think Austin Eckler is a little bit interesting on DraftKings because he didn't get any targets. I think that's going to be a narrative that people run with. Like, oh, he didn't get any targets last week. They don't throw the ball to the running back. They will against Dallas. And so Austin Eckler at 7,300 is great. And then I will finish by saying Derek Henry on FanDuel is only 8,000. He's the highest points per dollar projection we have on FanDuel. So if Derrick Henry's going to come in a little bit lower, I mean, I feel like it's the right time to play him. 
I mean, it's got to be snowing somewhere in the world, right? That on some mountain somewhere, <laughs> there is a there is a man, a Sherpa, that is yelling out, "Play Derrick Henry in cash." <laughs> um, all right, give me a couple wide receivers. And this week, no Tyreek, no Devonte Adams on the slate. Yeah, go back to the Cowboys. CD Lamb is sixty three hundred. After the usage we saw on Thursday night, how can you not love CD Lamb at that price? Where on DraftKings you could just rack up receptions, clearly get the hundred yard bonus. Mike Evans seems like a misprice. He's 6,100 against the Falcons. That seems like an easy stack with Tom Brady. Um, actually, honestly, all the pass catchers for Tampa are underpriced. Um, and then Tim Patrick, I'll say, for a cash game, cheap wide Who? receiver. Oh, Tim Patrick, who's actually good at football. Uh, I like Tim Patrick a lot. With the Jerry Judy news, uh, Tim Patrick could be an every-down player for this team. I think he will be. And they're taking on Urban Myers, Jacksonville Jaguars. Enough said. Would you rather play Tim Patrick at 4,600 or KJ Hamler, also on the Broncos, at 3,800 in cash? That's really close because I think Patrick, from a target perspective, is probably safer as far as volume, but I think Hamler has a lot more upside. So my lean is Patrick in cash, and if I play one of the Broncos cheapies, it would be Hamler in tournaments. It'll be interesting to see where they come in because Hamler dropped a 50-yard touchdown that was just right there or else... He would easily be the most popular this week, I think, between those two. But, um, yeah, I think both of those Broncos wide receivers you should consider in your cash game pool. Um, Cole Beasley is too cheap on DraftKings at 4600 The dude just saw, what, 14 targets? So I don't understand why he is so cheap still. Keenan Allen is only $7,000 on a full PPR site on the highest total. Uh, I really like that in cash. Um, and then I'll just throw out these names on FanDuel. FanDuel mess this up royally dk metcalf for some reason is only seven thousand dollars cooper cup is only sixty two hundred dollars both of those guys caught a touchdown by the way this past week and right. their prices actually went down you love to see why <laughs> i don't understand their pricing sometimes makes complete utter nonsense like i i don't i have no words all right i'll give you a little little secret here listeners I will be playing a lot more cash this week on FanDuel because you can fit in some studs in your lineup and then you look at wide receiver and you go, I have DK Metcalf on my, in my roster and two other studs. Like you can legitimately fit in three awesome running backs and two to three awesome receivers and not even blink an eye. So uh, for tight end this week, there's no Kelsey, no Mark Andrews, no TJ Hawkinson based on Sunday night and Monday night games. There is Darren Waller and... If you didn't know this, DraftKings and FanDuel sets their prices before the Monday night game. So they had no idea that Darren Waller would get 19 targets, lead the league in that, go 10 for 105 and 1. And on FanDuel, he's only 7,000. That is just, that is stupid in a game against the Steelers that we said we already like. So Darren Waller on FanDuel is way too cheap. I love George Kittle. If some people might look at the stat line and say, whoa, that was a letdown. 64 on our DK. Look at yards per route run. That's one of the stickiest stats that you could find for tight ends. He ranked second in the league this past week. Like he killed it in terms of when he ran a route, it was like 16 of them. Like he was catching the ball, he was getting a target. So George Kittle, I think is totally fine on DraftKings. Yeah, real quick too as well. If if there's a player that's cheaper on FanDuel than they are on DraftKings, most of the time they're going to be in my lineup. Um, the fact that Darren Waller is $7,000, whereas on DK, I think he's 7.6. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I think it's 
It's just, he might get the lock button for me this week, honestly. We'll see. Um, it's just a stupid price. On DK, Tyler Conklin is still cheap. He's 3200 so if you are going to punt it off this week, he's kind of the guy potentially against Arizona. And then uh, Noah Fant, same reason that we like Tim Patrick and uh, KJ Hamler. He's 4200 Seems a little low against, again, the Jaguars. We want to attack them, I think, most weeks in DFS. Speaking of the Jaguars, I want to throw out a name that's a punt play on FanDuel only. It's your boy, James O'Shaughnessy, or as I like to call him, the Irish Mauler. I think <laughs> that's what I want to call him. <laughs> I, I was staring at his name last night, and his routes run, and I just go, dang, this dude ran the third most routes in the league. Everyone's going to run to Chris Manhurts, who caught the touchdown, but like only ran like five routes. Uh, if this guy's going to be out in the field, if the Jaguars are going to be this bad, he's going to run this many routes, then you can punt with him uh, a tight end on FanDuel. And I just hope that he's a thing. So I can use that <laughs> nickname again. Did you make up that nickname? I did. I did. Oh the my Irish gosh, Mauler. that's amazing. <laughs> he looks awesome. All right, let's finish out with defense really quickly before we wrap up. Yeah, I'll go to the Browns. I think they're going to be the chalk play this week. So in tournaments, I probably won't play them against Houston. But they still seem cheap relative to what they should be at 3500 And then in tournaments, I like early on looking at the slate. The Chargers at $2,600, they are cheap. And the Cowboys are going to be without one of their offensive linemen again this week. And if they let Dak drop back 50, 60, 70 times or whatever the number was last week, which felt like every play, it's going to create opportunities for sacks and turnovers. And obviously in DFS, that's what we care about from our defense. The cheapies this week on DraftKings. If you really wanted to punt, the Jaguars are 2300 The Jets are 2200 The Dolphins are only 2500 at home against Josh Allen. I know we're scared of Josh Allen, but you, you saw him, how many attempts he had throwing the ball. That can create turnovers. Dolphins defense looked great this past week against the Patriots. And then on the flip side, the Bills on FanDuel are probably my favorite play right now uh, if you think that game is going to hit the under. Um, I kind of like them. But defense is so hard to pick at the beginning of the week, and hopefully roster percentages are a lot flatter than they were this past week. If you want to join our listener league, go to ballersdfs.com. We had a lot of you. We reached over 2,000 people in that league this past week. We'd like to see that number keep going up, so invite your friends uh, to be a part of that. DraftKings League, it's called Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. But if you go to ballersdfs.com, it will take you right to that link. And you can enter the week two contest, which we will start later on this week. You should get a notification from DraftKings that says a contest is opening. I secretly, bets did this yesterday without even telling you. And I think you yeah. got locked out of the contest. Yeah, it was just the nerd eating lunch by himself at his own table. I didn't even get invited to the party. I didn't even get to play with you guys last night in the showdown. I was really bummed. But hopefully some of you won money against Kyle. Uh, because I unfortunately didn't have the opportunity. You definitely won some money against me. Uh because Lamar Jackson did not hit. Uh, yeah, I'll release some of those contests. Right now, we have a limit of how many people, or else I would just open it up to five, 500, you know, 1,000 people. But check back on Thursday for the Thursday night game. I know everyone's going to be playing that Giants and uh, football team matchup. Whew, what a bar barn burner. Uh, but I'll be releasing those on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll also try to diversify it where it's not just tournaments, it's cash, it's small field. Like I want to be able to give people a bunch of different opportunities to play with people that we know uh, are good people. So Bets, wanted to tell the people about the rest of the week. 
Yeah, absolutely. Come play with us at BallersDFS.com. Get up in the DFS pass, and we are back to preview the main slate on Friday. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.